Hey everybody, Pastor Chris here. Thanks for listening to our Market Street Podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope today's message helps you in your walk with Jesus. For more ways to connect, visit us at marketstreetchurch.org. So we just began the year talking about the idea of, hey, let's sow the seed of the Word of God into the good soil of our heart. That's what we began the year talking about. And who knew what would happen in this year when we began that uh, journey together as we said, hey, let's do this as a church. Let's sow the seed of the Word of God into the good soil of our heart. So we'll begin to produce things in us that you and I can't produce on our own. Oh, we can manufacture some of these things, but some of these things that we try to do in our own strength are really just counterfeit compared to the, to the truth and the reality of what God wants to do in and through you. And so we said, hey, let's sow the seed of the word so that it will produce these fruits in our life. Jesus said, you know how people will know that you're a follower of me? They'll know them, they'll know them by their fruits. They'll know them by their fruits. That's what, that's what he said. He goes, you know what gives God all the glory in your life? You know what makes much of God in and through your life is that when you bear fruit, when you bear fruit. So we looked at, hey, let's come around the fruit of the Spirit. We looked at Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness, goodness and faithfulness. And now... We've come to the point of the year where you get to actually flip it to verse 23. Is that exciting, everybody? Verse 23, and gentleness, and gentleness, self-control, and against such things there is no law. In other words, there, needs, there doesn't need to be any laws. There, there, there needs to be no, no judicial system. Man, if we can exhibit these things, if we can, you know, you know just display these things, if we can show these things to a world, man, there, no, there, there wouldn't need to be any, any laws because why? Why would you need a law when it comes to love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness is what we're going to talk about today. You wouldn't need any law. Well, verse 24 also says this. We've never really come around verse 24. He says, but now those who, now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh, crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. And so specifically these next two, these last two uh, fruit of the Spirit, this idea of gentleness and self-control. So we'll talk about gentleness uh, this week and two more weeks, and then we'll do a Christmas series uh, that's entitled For You, For You. And then we're going to come around at the end of the year, like the last two, the last weekend of December, and then the first weekend of January, we're going to talk about self-control. We can't think of a better time to talk about self-control when it comes to those times of year. So we're going to talk about around that. But today we're going to talk about gentleness. We're going to begin the journey of producing or allowing God to produce gentleness in our life. And it requires this crucified the flesh. It really does. It requires this crucifying of the, of the flesh and its passions and its desires. All of us understand what that means. When we're something that we're, we have a desire for, something that we're passionate about, man, it really stirs something in, inside of us. It really stirs these emotions in all of us. And so sometimes when those emotions are stirred, when, the, when those things rise up in you, you know, that, that, that really can cause some, some hurt and some damage, pa Paul says, hey, you need to crucify that. You need to put that to death so that you can produce 
these kinds of things. Those things need to die in order for those things to be produced. So we're talking about gentleness. And when we talk about gentleness, we always refer to an illustration. If you've heard anything about gentleness, you've certainly heard this type of illustration. And we were, my family and I, went to uh, Savannah, Georgia for a couple days uh, this summer. Traveled down south, stopped in Savannah for a couple days. One of the things that we decided to do on our, on our time there was that we were going to rent a horse and a carriage. And we were going to do a little horse and carriage tour. Does this sound exciting to anybody? Uh, yeah, it's about as exciting as it sounds. And so... <laughs> we rented this, and we, we actually have a picture. There's, there's the picture that I, that I took. You know, there's my kids, and then they're in, front of, they're in front of their horse. We think his name was Flynn. We, think, we just called it Rusty, if you're a Seinfeld fan. And so uh, we think his name, his name was Flynn. So there's my kids in front of the, the horse, and look, look at how exciting they are, they are about, about this, what's going to happen, right? Can you, can you tell how pumped they are? What are you having us do? Right? So they, we, we took this horse and carriage, and we went around, you know, historic downtown Savannah. I don't know. You probably don't know this, but I learned this on this horse and carriage ride. There's 22 squares, 22 squares in downtown Savannah. I just blew your mind. I know. You're like, I got to get to Savannah. I got to get to Savannah as soon as I can. There's 22 squares in downtown. One of the squares I took a picture of, I thought it was kind of cool. This is a, a statue of John Wesley. You know, the founder of the Methodist, uh, Methodism and uh, just incredible minister used by mightily uh, by God. And so this was in, 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 the, in, in one of the squares. What's it, what it's most known for is the um, film of Forrest Gump. Anybody raise a hand, show hands at home? Yeah, a lot of you have seen the movie Forrest Gump. And they filmed when, when Forrest is on the bench... And at force, when he's on the bench, you know, remember he's on the bench and, and he's holding, what is he holding? A box of chocolates and then, and then the wisdom that he gave, right, is life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. <laughs> but that was my Forrest Gump impression. I'll do it for you later if you want. So he's on the bench, right? This was filmed in, in Savannah, Georgia. Now, what was it? What was most interesting about this, this little tour that we took, I know a lot of historical things, kind of neat statues, you know, this, that, that kind of thing. What was most interesting was the, the, when we were riding along, the, you know, the lady that was, you know, was whatever her, her title was. <laughs> <laughs> was our driver, our driver, whatever. And we're riding along, and she's just kind of giving us some different facts. And she said, she goes, you know, we came up to the, to the Forrest Gump Square, which is actually called Ch Chippewa Square. She said, she goes, you know, the horses are trained only to go right on a, at a square. So once they come up to one of the 22 squares, they're trained to only go right. And she said, you know, when they, when they were filming the movie Forrest Gump, she said that um, the horses were, because of the production and the crew and all the things that they, they, they did for the, for the movie, at some, at some time point, the, the, uh, the, the crew wanted to have in the shot some of the horses in, in, in Savannah. They wanted that into the, into the shot. Well, there was a problem with that. And the problem was is that the horses, the, if for the shot, they wanted the horses to go left 
and not right. But the horses refused. The horses were so trained to go right that even if they wanted them to go left, their horses just wouldn't do it. They, they couldn't do it. They were so trained to go right that they wouldn't go left. That they actually had to bring in other horses from another area to, so that they can film the shot so that they could get the horses to go left. Now here's the point. The point was this is that what would have made that horse and carriage ride more interesting was if the horse decided, I'm going to do my own thing. That would have caused some damage, don't you think? Isn't it interesting how at some point or another, horses get trained and tamed to do whatever it is that they're told to do. Even if they're even directed to go in one direction, they're so trained that they're saying, you know, I can't go left, I have to go Right, because this is what I'm trained to do. There's so now it's a horse, and there's a lot of power in a horse, but when the horse is trained and tamed, it is power, it is strength under control. And that's exactly what gentleness is. Gentleness is strength under control. Now, for you and for me, it's based on an unshakable confidence in God. So the definition that the the Apostle Paul is giving us in Galatians 5 is, is simply this. It's like a powerful horse that is tamed and trained. That even if it's tempted to go left, it's not gonna go left. It's only gonna go right because that's what it was trained to do. It is under and based on the unshakable confidence of its God, it's master. This is what gentleness should be for us. It is strength. You and I have strength. You and I have power. But it's when that strength and that power that we have to influence, that we have to, you know, determine direction, where we have determined, you know, the course of of things, our strength and our power needs to be under control based on an unshakable confidence in God. Okay? It's this Greek word. It's this Greek word there. And it means to submit one's strength in a posture of meekness. Now, not weakness. Not weakness. It is to submit your strength under a posture of meekness. What is that? Strength, power, under control. And it's, but it's not weakness. It's not weakness. Now, the gentle person, the gentle person does not, here's just what a gentle person does not do, they don't fight for their own rights. A gentle person does not, does not feel the need to fight for their own rights. A gentle person does not insist upon vindication. A gentle person does not insist upon vindication. A gentle person does not return insult for insult. A gentle person does not use intimidation to get their way. This is what a gentle person is not. It does not fight for their own rights. It assists upon vindication. It does not return insult for insult. It does not use intimidation to get their own way. These are examples of what a person, a gentle person, is not. Now, if anybody is the best example of a gentle person, it is Jesus. And so Jesus gives us some examples of what it looks like for you and for me. It is Jesus was the epitome of power and strength 
under control. He was the epitome. He was the embodiment of power and authority and strength and glory under control. For example, the story of Christmas. Again, um, maybe I'm jumping in early on Christmas, but let's go to Luke 2, all right? All right, anybody just want to just get to Christmas? Let's just get to Christmas. It says, in the same region, there was some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping flock, uh, watch over their flock by night, verse, verse 9. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. This is power. This is glory. This is strength. And that was just an angel. And the angel is just showing and demonstrating and all of the, the glory of the Lord shown around them. And they were, because of that, they were terribly frightened. And so, you, you, so, would, so would I, so would you. Verse 10. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all people. We'll get back to that in a couple of weeks. Verse 11. For today, in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now, look what the angel says next. Now, this is the embodiment of meekness. This is the embodiment of gentleness. This is the embodiment of strength under control. Look what it says next, verse 12. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby. Whoa, 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 whoa. A baby? I mean, we're talking about God Almighty, full of glory, the creator, the sustainer, the maker of all things, the one who puts breath in our lungs, the one who, by the words of his mouth, made everything that we have and see. But you're going to find him as a baby. Wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Wait, a, a, ma a food trough? Yeah. Yeah. This is, this is what gentleness, this is what God exhibited. This is Jesus as an example for, for all of us. It's like, yeah, he could have come with all of his strength and all of his power. I mean, come on. Jesus could have came here, you know, in a, in a, in a spaceship and terrified everybody if he wanted to. He could have hovered in, serve me. Okay. That's my spaceship. He instead, he, he could have overwhelmed us with fear. Like he could have just, he could have just came, showed up, and been like, you're gonna worship me, you're gonna serve me, you're gonna live for me, and if you don't trouble and we would have been like like robots like like puppets going oh whatever 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 but that's not what he did he came gentle soft and easy on us and he came to us as a baby wrapped in clothes lying in a food trough that's strength you see it those of you in the room that strength under control. Strength under control. Let me, let me give you another example. So Jesus and his disciples were heading to Jerusalem. And they were going to stop off 
in a Samaritan town, probably to get some rest and, get, and to get some food. Well, when they came into the Samaritan town, the Samaritans in that town were going, you can't stay here. You're a Jew. Because the Jews and the Samaritans didn't, didn't really get along. They didn't really like each other. They're like, you can't stay here. You're a Jew. You're, you're heading to Jerusalem, and, and you're, you're not welcome here in this town. And so here's what, and this is sort of a, what I call a bad example, a bad example. Of, uh, I'm sorry, I, I skipped one. I'm sorry, Neva. This is sort of a bad example of, example to avoid. And, and the example to avoid is, is, is James and John, who are also known as the Sons of Thunder. This is sort of where they got their nickname. This is where they got their nickname. So they're heading into Jerusalem, stop off at the Samaritan town. And as they stop off at the Samaritan town, they're like, nope, you're not welcome here. You're not welcome here. You're not welcome here. Well, look what James and John's, the, now known as the sons of thunder, here's what they say to Jesus. When his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? Like, Chill out, James and John. We're going to call you the sons of thunder from now on because you guys are rumbling and you guys need to get under control. Like, you, like this, was, this was their response. Like you, Jesus, they're not accepting us. They, don't, they aren't welcoming us. They don't want us in you know, their, their world. Well, let, let's, just, let's just rain fire. You, Jesus, you can do that. You could do that, rain fire down on them. And Jesus, look at Jesus' response was. But he turned and rebuked them. He turned, he said, you do not know what kind of spirit you're of. In other words, he's like, this is, not the, this is not the spirit of who I am. This is some other spirit. Wanting to get vindication, wanting to return insult to insult, wanting to rise up, allowing your anger to rise up inside of you. Wanting, you know, can't coming to a, to a place of forgiveness in, in your life. These are all the opposite things of gentleness. Feeling like, you know, you've gotten a raw end of the deal on, on something. Feeling like your situation didn't turn out the way that you thought it would turn out. And, you, and you're going you're gonna to get payback for this. Feeling like, man, I've got to stand up and I've got to fight for what I think is right and true. Listen, that is the opposite of gentleness. And Jesus said, listen, guys, listen, this is not the kind of spirit that I am. And he goes on and says this in verse 56. He says, for the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went on to another village. They're like, guys, let's, we'll just go to another village. It's okay. We don't need to rain fire down on them to consume them. We'll go find somewhere else to get food. But Jesus said, I want you to give. Now, Neva, we're going to go back. Another time, Jesus was going to be arrested, right? And when Jesus was coming to get arrested, Peter decided that he was going to pull out his sword and take matters into his own hands. Now, that's not any of us. We don't ever think that we need to take matters into our own hands. We never think that we need to you know, do things the way that we think we need to do things and handle things the way that we thought we should handle things. And, and Peter begins taking out his sword, and those that came to arrest Jesus, Peter was trying to really legitimately cut off the guy's head, but instead, Peter missed, and he cut off a piece of his ear. You remember that story? And look what Jesus' response to Peter was in Matthew 26, 53. Or do you think that I cannot appeal to my father, and he will at once put my, at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? Peter, I don't need you 
I don't need you to pull out your sword and try to defend me as if it's your duty, as if it's your right. I don't need you to do that. I don't need you to defend me. I, I can handle things on my own. If I wanted to, Peter, if I wanted to, I could send 12 legions of angels to come. What I need you to be, Peter, and what I need you to be, church, I need you to be gentle. I need you to be gentle. That's what I need you to be. Jesus exuded this. He exuded gentleness and meekness. Look, look at Jesus in Matthew 11. Matthew 11. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Jesus is telling us, hey, you need to learn from me. Church, he's talking to us. We need to learn from Jesus. We need to say, listen, Jesus, I, I, I'm, I'm with you. I don't, I don't like all the things that are going on. I don't like, I feel like we're, you know, we're, we're getting unfairly treated and, and I feel like I'm up against the wall and I feel like I have a deadline and I feel like I've gotten the raw end of the deal and I just want to fight for myself. I just want to pull out my sword and take matters into my own hands. And Jesus is telling you and me, listen, come on, you need to learn from me. He goes, for I am gentle. I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. You know what Jesus is saying? You want to find rest for your soul? Be gentle. Be gentle. You want to have, like, you want to eliminate and minimize the amount of chaos that is going around in our lives? Here's what he's telling them. He says, listen, listen, here's how you do that. You be gentle. You be gentle. So gentleness is, essentially, it's when we submit our strength and find rest for your soul. That's what it, that's what it is. It's when we say, okay, God, God, I'm submitting my strength. And to, so I can find rest for my soul. So what does that look like? What does that look like when we submit our strength and ultimately find rest for our soul? Well, it's when we place, when you place your strength under God's control. That equals rest for your soul. When you place your strength under God's control, you will find rest for your soul. Come on. He is the God of our past, present, and future. God knows what's going to happen in the future. God's the one that determines what happens in the future. God's got it all under control. He doesn't need you to pull out your sword. He doesn't need you to pray that fire rains down on a people, you know, and consumes them. He doesn't need our help. All he wants us to do is place our strength under his control. He is the predictor of the future. You and I can't even keep track of what the weather's going to be like tomorrow. You and I don't even know what, the, what it's going to be. It, it could change. All of us. Listen, listen. How many of you have kids, or maybe you remember as a kid, saying to your parents, you just don't understand. 
right? How many of you get a kid, yeah, you don't understand what I'm going through. Listen, listen. And as a parent, you're like, I, yeah, I kind of, I kind of understand. I, I was a kid. Well, I get it. Like, I know I wasn't a kid in your time and your age, but listen, I understand what it looks like to be a kid. Like, how many of us have said to God, God, you know, don't you understand what's happening? God, don't you know what's going on? God, aren't you aware? And God's going, yeah, I predicted it. Yeah, I determined it. Yeah, I set it in motion. Yeah, I put it in place. Listen, if we can't come to a mindset that we, we know that God's in control, then we're going to continue to live in chaos. We're going to continue to live in, in this angst. We're going to continue to live in this turmoil that we feel inside rising up. We're going to continue to get angry. We're going to continue to get bitter. We're going to continue to get jealous and envious. I mean, we're going to continue to have all of these emotions rise up inside of us. And Jesus is going, come on, come on. Put your yoke on me. Learn from me. For I am gentle and I am humble in heart. And when you place your strength under God's control, you're going to have rest. <sighs> come on. Anybody can, anybody can use some, a little bit more rest? Show of hands in the room at home, pay, play along. Come on, we all could use a little bit more rest. We all could use a little bit more rest. God, I, I, I'm giving you control. I love what A.W. Tozer wrote about this. He says this, A.W. Tozer wrote this. I don't have this up on the screen, but I'm just going to read it to you. The meek man is not a human mouse afflicted with a sense of his own inferiority. Rather, he may be in his moral life as bold as a lion and as strong as Samson. But he has stopped being fooled about himself. He has accepted God's estimate of his own life. He knows he is as weak and helpless as God declared him to be. But, but paradoxically, he knows at the same time that he is, is in the sight of God of more importance than angels. In himself, he is nothing. In God, he is everything. That is his motto. That's his motto. In and of ourselves, we're nothing. But in God, we're everything. We're everything. And so for us, for gentleness to, to be displayed and to be produced in us, it's placing our strength under God's control. It's saying, God, you got this. God, you're in control of this. God, you're aware of what's going on. And God, you even set it all in motion. So God, I'm just going to place my strength under your control. And when you do that, you're going to find rest for your soul. The Apostle Paul had to learn this lesson. He had to learn this lesson. He, remember, he prayed three times, God, take this thorn. He called it a thorn in the flesh. God, take this thorn of the flesh away. Take it away, take it away, take it away. He implored God three times. And Jesus came to him, spoke to him audibly and said, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power, in other words, my strength is perfected in your weakness. And you know what Paul's response was? I'm going to boast in my weakness. 
Why? Because that's when the strength and the power of God rests on us. You know when you're most powerful? You know when you're most powerful? You know when it comes to your superhero strength? You know when you're most powerful? Is when you and I are at our meekest and our gentleness. You know what will change things? You know what will change things in our culture, in our community, in our churches, in our relationships? You know what will change things radically? Is that when we're meek and when we're gentle. That's your super strength. That's actually where your power comes from. You want to change things in your marriage? Be gentle to your spouse. You want to change things with your relationship with your kids? Be gentle when it comes to your relationship with your kids. Be gentle. Be gentle. Not overbearing. Not you know, too powerful. Not exhibiting all your authority, but saying, listen, I'm going to be gentle with you. When it comes to our relationships, oftentimes we are wielding a hammer when it comes to our relationships. But what we should be doing is what it's the difference between wielding a hammer and putting in a contact lens. Anybody else do that? I, I, every morning I put my contact lenses in, right? And what do I, I have to be like super gentle, putting it out into my hand, putting the solution on, putting it on my finger, you know, and then just putting it. I, I, now, I could crush those contact lenses, couldn't I? But I can't. I got to be gentle. This is what it comes like, looks like for us. God, I'm, I want to see change in my life. Hey, have you considered being gentle? God, I want to make a difference in my community, in my workplace. Have you considered being gentle? Because ultimately, that's where your strength is anyways. That's where it's at anyways. The, th the second thing is this. Place your situations and challenges calmly in your confidence in God. And you'll have rest for your soul. He says, listen, I want you to, I want you to place all your challenges, all of your situations, calmly in your confidence in God. And you'll have rest for your soul. Th that's what he's telling us to do. I know you got challenges. I know you've got difficulties. I know you've got certain situations in your life that you're just out of your control and you want to try to control it. You want to try to pull that sword out of that sheath and, and cut somebody's head off with it. And Jesus is going, don't do that. I've got this. I've got this. Place your confidence in me. Place it in me. James talked about this. He says this. James says, who among you is wise and understanding? I hope that you read this and go, well, I, I want that to be me. Who among you is wise in understanding? And then he says this. Let him show by his good behavior, his deeds, and look at, it, look at this, in the gentleness of wisdom. You know what, what's the wise thing to do? You know when you were wondering, okay, how do I handle my boss? How do I handle, you know, my, my marriage? How do I handle it with my kids? You know what the wise thing to do? Handle it with a behavior of gentleness. That's wisdom. That's wisdom. Wisdom says, listen, I'm going to just, 
I'm going to come at this, even though I could come at this with full fury and strength and power and authority. But instead, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do what Jesus did. I'm going to do what Jesus did. And instead of being found as the glorious, mighty king that he was, instead he was found as a baby in a food trough. And that's the approach I'm going to take with them. That's wisdom. He says the opposite of, of that is this. Look, he says in the next verse, verse 14. But if you have bitter jealousy, you know the opposite of gentleness? He would say is bitter jealousy, selfish ambition in your heart, and do not be arrogant so as to lie against the truth. He says these are the things that are waging war in your soul. And these are the things that are not giving you and I rest at all. We're bitterness, bitter jealousy, or bitter envy, however you want to look at that. Selfish ambition, which means we're causing strife and we're making everything about us. What about me? What about me? What about me? And we're arrogant and we're prideful. He says, these are the things that are waging war for your soul. And with these attitudes... With these emotions, you're never going to find rest for your soul. James would say the opposite, the opposite is gentleness. And when you can have gentleness, you're going to have rest for your soul. Not bitterness, not selfish ambition, and not arrogance or pride. You'll continue to stay unsettled in your heart and in your mind if these are the things that are true about us. Paul wrote a letter to Timothy, and here's what he told Timothy. He says, but flee from these things, you man of God. He says, flee from these things, you man of God. In other words, the things like bitterness and jealousy and selfish ambition and anger and unforgiveness, all these things that, we're, that are opposite of gentleness. He's telling them, listen, you need to flee from these things. In other words, the word flee there means separate from these things. Separate from these things. Like, don't, don't, be, don't allow these things like selfish, you know, bitter jealousy and selfish ambition and arrogance and pride and anger and unforgiveness. Don't let those things, revenge, don't let those things rule your life. He says, in other words, you need to flee from these things. Separate yourself from them. He says, he says but then, but pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance. In gentleness. He says, I want you to pursue those. I want you to separate yourself from anger, bitterness, jealousy. I want you to separate yourself from those things. Instead, I want you to pursue these. I want you to pursue gentleness. Now, Paul wrote it a different way when he wrote it to the church in Colossians. And here's what he tell, told him here. Here's what he says there. So... As those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, in other words, those of you that call themselves Jesus followers, this should be a mark. These should be your mark. He says this, put on, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. 
He says, I want you to put those things on as if you're wearing them as your clothes. So when you're thinking about getting dressed in the morning, as you're getting dressed, he's saying, listen, symbolically, I want you to think about that you're putting on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. A number of years ago, I was a part of a church, and they had a couple different services, a couple different gathering times. One was a 11 o'clock contemporary, and the other one was earlier. It was like an 8.30 or 9 o'clock gathering, and it was very conservative, very conservative. And I was responsible for all of the gatherings that we had, and so that meant that I had to be at all of our different gatherings. And so I would come to church, and I would go to the 8.30 service, and I would hang out with those people at the 8 service. And they would always sort of make these comments, these sort of sny remarks about my dress attire. And I would swear, you know, I, this is like, this was even more dressed down than I was then. Like then I would wear like, you know, khakis, you know, and a sweater, you know, similar. But, but they would always like, oh, you know, you didn't just roll out of bed today. I'm like, oh, I spent a little bit of time on this, you know. And they were just in that crowd where you came to church, and maybe you, some of you remember this. They were just in that crowd when you came to church and you wore a suit. At least you had a tie on. Anybody remember that, that time? You wore a suit and a, and a tie. And I would show up to this, this sort of this very, very conservative service, and I didn't, I didn't have, I just wore this. And they would just, every week, they would all, like, can't you dress up for us, like, one time? Like, can't you, you know, no, no. Uh, <laughs> It was, it was becoming annoying. And so I'm thinking, I'm gonna, you know what I'm going to do? It, it, it sort of was starting to bother me. It was sort of like making me angry at them. And it made me not want even wanting to show up to that, to that service anymore because I was just tired of dealing with these people harassing me about my clothes and what I had. I'm like, this is the best I can do, lady. And so I'm thinking, I'm going to come up with a verse. And the next time somebody says anything to me, I said, I'm going to come up with a verse and I'm going to put them in their place. And so I found this verse. And I said, there it is. And I'm going to say to them, you know what, lady, sir? I don't need to put on a suit. All I need to do is put on compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. I don't need to put on no suit. I just need to put on that. And then I'm going, and then, you know, the Holy Spirit's like, convict, 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 convict. And the Holy Spirit, you know how the Holy Spirit works, right? Like, just kind of whispering, like, hey, um, are you really putting on compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience? So the next Sunday, I showed up in a suit. I showed up in the suit, and they're like, oh, you look, oh, you look amazing. Now, did I, did I have to do that? No. But I did it because what's the big deal? I've got to wear a suit. My wife thought I was hot anyway, so who's, what's the big deal? <laughs> Too much. But what's most important 
is, yeah, I had a suit, but the reason I put a suit on is because I just wanted to show some compassion and some kindness and some humility and some gentleness and some patience. You see, sometimes when it comes to just being a Christian, it's just about saying, you know what, I, I know I don't have to do that. I know I don't, it's not my right or whatever the case it is for you to, whenever we justify our actions. But if it gives me an opportunity to show a little compassion and humility and a little gentleness, I'm going to do it. Because that's what Jesus did. That's what Jesus did. So your church clothes, whatever you wear, I don't care. Aren't you glad you don't have to show up in a suit around here? But what I, what, what, what I, what I want you to wear, though, what, more importantly, what God wants you to wear, though, is he wants you to wear this. And that's not just on Sunday. That's every day. That's every day. Every day you need to put your church clothes on. Every day you need to put your church clothes on. Every day you say, you know what, I'm today, this is the day I'm putting on compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. And that's what I'm wearing out. Because that's what I care people see more than anything else. So some questions to consider as I close. Number one, here's to ask yourself. Was I gentle in the situations I faced in the last few weeks? That's a good question to ask yourself. Were, if, if not, were my rationalizations prideful? These are self-assessment questions. The other question is, do I exhibit the same gentleness to others that God exhibits to me every day? Last question. Do people describe me as gentle? You should ask somebody. Do people describe me as gentle or do they describe me as bitter, critical, or brash? Again, this is who Jesus was. And this is what he expects those of us that are chosen, holy, and beloved to be as well. Set apart. Flee from. Separate yourself. Anger, bitterness, envy, selfish ambition, arrogance. Separate yourself from that. And instead, pursue, or in other words, put on, gentleness gentleness because that's what jesus did for us the next two weeks we're going to talk about two very specific areas that you can exhibit gentleness two very specific practical areas to exhibit gentleness let's pray together father we thank you for the day we thank you for setting the example for really all of these aspects of the fruit of the spirit that you want to produce in us. You're the best example for all of them. God, you exhibited gentleness even in times where it just even looked like it should be some a little bit more force, a little bit more power, a little bit more strength leaned into that. But instead, you just, you still were meek.
you were still meek. And God, for us, for us, I, I, I hope that we pursue, want to pursue and put on these things because it would just give us rest for our souls that are just in so much turmoil and chaos and uncertainty. So God, we're just gonna place our strength under your control. And we know with whatever happens in the future, we know you got it. We know you got it. And we're just gonna put on our church clothes and we're gonna be the kind of person that you want us to be even in the midst of situations and challenges that we have to face. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for watching or listening online. Good to have you. Thanks for being in the room with us today.